0: Hi, this is Richard from Short Films Teachers Love, which is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1...
1: Welcome to episode 82 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning. And I'm Matt Miller
0: from Ditch That Textbook. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the playground of technology in the classroom. And you know, when you're out on the playground... Casey didn't know I was going to be going Uh this route. This is kind of wacky. So stick with me here, folks. When you're out on the playground, it's nice when all of the kids play with each other. You know, when we take turns on the swings and when we don't push when we're trying to go down the slide. And, you know, Google Classroom plays very well on the playground. Uh, it plays with other kids. And so in today's episode, we're going to talk about some of the digital tools that are out there that play very well with Google Classroom, as in they integrate together and work well together. So we're going to give you some of our favorites and some ideas for using them in conjunction with Google Classroom. And of course, we've got Google News and Updates. We have a lot of Google News and Updates and some really cool ones too. So brace yourselves. Uh, Of course, we'll have some feedback from our listeners and share a couple of blog posts. So Casey are you ready to head to the playground (laughs) let's go Matt
1: okay y'all let's take a look at what's been going on with Google this past week and I have to tell you I had a hard time whittling this little list down (laughs) so does everybody else call it call it that whittling do you say that Matt (laughs)
0: I, yeah yeah you know, know about, about what you, like, okay, you do that up
1: on the front porch right in your rocking chair <laughs>
0: right yeah yeah I think that's yeah, how it works yeah, yeah so we yeah. had
1: to whittle the, the list down just a little bit because there were so many things so stay tuned we're always adding them to episodes but we wait, had to pick up-
0: wait wait Uh-oh. did you did you just say whittle oh, a little no, did I <laughs> Yeah, you,
1: <laughs> sorry. I, I just had to stop the show because oh, no. I heard that we're gonna oh, whittle, no. whittle, whittle gonna It's gonna be one of those, isn't it? Okay.
0: Yeah, it is. It is, uh, right. Sorry, okay.
1: sorry. Continue. Okay. So, anyway, we picked our favorites. We picked the ones that we think you're going to uh, like the most. And you know what? I selfishly picked this first one because it's the one that everybody is super excited about. The ability to add mm-hmm. audio into Google Slides is coming. Woohoo! Everybody, yeah, we're, yeah. we're having, having a big party about this one. So... Here's what you need to know. The uh, ability to add audio is rolling out this month in April uh, 2019. And we don't exactly see how it's it's working very, very much in the in the little Google updates blog post. You just kind of see a tiny little screenshot. However, uh, they are telling us it's going to pop up under Insert. And you'll choose audio and the audio files have to be in your drive. So I I already feel that one as being sort of uh, something we're going to have to work through and helping get those audio files that we want to use into Google Drive and and showing students how to save files there. So what we're going to do is we're going to be able to insert that audio. And once it's inserted, you'll also have more settings. So you'll have that format options similar to what you have when you insert a video. And you'll have playback options, volume, and the option to loop some audio. Woohoo! Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I like so that. you can also hide the little audio icon. So it has this little speaker icon and replace it with an image so you could then make the image the clickable audio and so there are so many things that we're going to be able to do with this and you know i feel like this has been one of the number one questions that i've had about google slides over the past few years is how to insert audio and we've basically had workarounds and band-aids to make it work and so i'm really excited to see how this works i keep checking So it says that it will gradually roll out (laughs) up to 15 days starting April 2nd. So um, and then some if you're on a scheduled release, you may not see it it start rolling out until April 18th. So hang on. I know we're all really excited to get this, but I'm also really excited to see the projects and the ability that students are going to have to use this in their projects now in slides, which you all know is the Swiss Army knife of G-Suite.
0: Waiting for this to show up is kind of like watching the window for the UPS guy to show up with your Amazon delivery, you know, (laughs) like you ordered something and you're excited about it and you just keep watching, just keep watching. And it'll it'll be here before we know it. And yeah, the Band-Aids are a, a true story. You know, I've seen people that have used and I've used Um, YouTube videos and made them teeny tiny and hidden them behind a picture. Um, We've seen, you know, Chrome extensions and add-ons and stuff that have been glitchy and just haven't gotten the job done. So thank goodness. Let's move on to the next one, which is also a very exciting update. And so if you've ever done emailing at let's say, non-traditional times, you know, late at night, really, really early in the morning. And you didn't want to send that email because you didn't want it to, you know, bother somebody when they weren't at school or or something like that. We finally have scheduled send in Gmail. And so this is going to show up whenever you get it, it'll... You'll you'll just type your email just like normal, but instead of hitting the send button, there'll be a little drop down, or I guess it's a drop up because it looks like it's pointing up. Um, There's a little button and you hit that and there's an option that says schedule send. And then you can either pick some of the pre-selected times like tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, um, or you can pick a specific date and time. And then that goes straight into your scheduled folder. So if you use Gmail and... Over on the left, you've got like starred and you've got snoozed and you've got sent. There's also going to be one for scheduled where you can see all of those hanging out. So um, this is good for if you're working on email at non-traditional times, like you said. But I, but I also, um, I also learned that this could be a productivity hack too. Um, I learned this from the forty-hour, no, the four-hour work week by <laughs> 40 Tim <hours>. Ferriss,
1: <laughs> not forty-hour.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 40-hour would be a dream for some of us. (laughs) But yeah, this one is the four-hour work week. That's that book. But he says that if... um, Sometimes we get in the habit of sending an email and then someone will send one right back to us. And then we respond right back to it and it becomes like instant messaging. And it means that they basically get our undivided attention. So if you schedule it for at, you know, like the end of the day or something, then people aren't likely to (laughs) respond right back and get in that immediate back and forth, which seems kind of harsh, but it actually is a pretty good productivity hack, which you can now do with the scheduled send in Gmail.
1: Now I'm only going to send you emails at the end of the day, Matt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm going to still reply back. So you're just going to have to deal with it.
1: No, I love that. This feature is awesome. So being able to send later is is going to, I think, help teachers a lot, especially, you know, when you send maybe weekly emails and updates to parents and things like that so that you can plan ahead get it done, and not have to worry about sending something at a certain time. So I'm excited to see where this goes. And, you know, we had several Gmail updates in last week's episode. I think they're really beefing up Gmail right now. And um, this excites me with the exit of my favorite inbox by Gmail. But uh, alas, we have to say goodbye. So I'm going to switch gears a (laughs) little bit (laughs) and talk about something that I think Other people who are listening are really going to like. So I know a lot of our listeners are not only teachers, but in some kind of supportive technology role where you're sort of the go to uh, tech support or, you know, the Google that for me person and they have now integrated it's it's rolling out I don't have it yet but they're integrating the support resources into gmail docs drive calendar and more and so if you go to um, gmail calendar and drive you're going to see a new question mark button next to the search bar and it will allow you to quickly access support and training so this is all going to be built in to the actual app, not, not anything additional that you have to have. And then inside Docs, Sheets, and Slides, under the help menu, we're going to have quick access to training and updates right at our fingertips. So I love that they're linking back to the support center, that they're they're building in this extra support layer. So this is definitely something if you help teachers and students learn how to use these tools, you want to show them how to find their own help as well. And looking at this, what this looks like to me is the G Suite training Chrome extension that I know we've talked about. I think this is it and that Mm -hmm. they're now embedding it into the apps. That's kind of where I see this going. So um, in the G Suite training Chrome extension was pretty awesome. And it was, I forgot what it was called before that Google bought it from someone else. And so I'm kind of thinking that maybe what they're doing is that they're merging that and making it a permanent part of the application. So pretty awesome.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Now the big trick will be to get people to actually go and click on that question mark button instead of just emailing (laughs) you. (laughs) Yeah, if we can change that behavior, then we have really made some change, so... All right, the last one that we're going to talk about today is a fun little, you could call it an Easter egg, you could call it a fun little game. This popped up right around the April Fool's time, you know, when um, Google likes to do some fun little April Fool's things. And this is called Google Maps Snake. So if you ever played the old um, video game where you have the snake and the snake continues to grow as it collects the little dots or you know, whatever it's trying to eat or whatever it's trying to collect or whatever, it continues to grow. And if you crash into another part of the snake or to the end of the, to the side of the screen, then you die. Um, It's pretty much the same thing, only it lets you play um, within the confines of some big cities around the world, like Cairo, Sao Paulo, and Brazil, London, Sydney, Australia, um, San Francisco, Tokyo, and then there's one that says world. And your job is to, instead of using a snake, they use a bus or a train or some sort of public transit. And it says, pick up as many passengers as you can. Be careful running off the map or into your own vehicle. will end the game. So it's pretty much the same thing. But what's neat is that it includes little details about all of those different locations. Like earlier, I, um, I played a game with London, which had a double-decker tour bus, And as I was picking up different people, there would be different little cultural things. Like at one point, I picked up some black tea. So there are little um, little nuggets of uh, cultural and geographical, um, you know, knowledge there there's, there's things to learn, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, if you play this game. So as long as Google keeps it around, um, you can find it at snake.googlemaps.com. So that one looks like a lot of fun.
1: I'm afraid you're going to actually spend a lot of time on this, Matt.
0: (laughs) I know I'm afraid too. between this and Carmen San Diego and Google earth. I am done for.
1: And you can find the links to all of these updates in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 82.
0: We're back on the playground. Can you hear the kids yelling? And can you hear the creak of the swings? And, you know, you're, we're right back in that in that same spot where we're watching to see how Google Classroom plays with the other kids. And so what we're going to do here is talk about some of our favorite digital tools that play so well on that playground with Google Classroom. and. The way that a lot of these work is that they do have the ability to share to Classroom. They'll have that little button that you can find so that you can, um, you know, you can send an activity or send a link or something through and be able to share it out with your students through Google Classroom. Some of them have a little bit deeper integration than that, but at very least we've got that, which does make it really easy to add things to Classroom and turn it into an activity. And so I'll jump in with my very first one that I wanted to share. And it is one that is near and dear to my heart being a foreign language geek and a former foreign language teacher. And that is Duolingo. So if you're not familiar with Duolingo, I always compare it to Rosetta Stone. You know, people talk about Rosetta Stone and how uh, deep and rich it is and how people want to learn foreign languages by using it. Duolingo is kind of sort of a version of... Uh, Rosetta Stone that's free and so basically what you can do with it is you can take all of these language learning activities there's dozens of languages that you can study and learn from and it takes you through the various levels of proficiency and so there are ways to connect Duolingo through to Google Classroom and I always like to use Duolingo as one of those sort of supplementary enrichment enrichment type of activities where um, you know if students have a choice of what to study or if they have some extra time on their hands, this is a really great way to give them something meaningful with that extra time.
1: I imagine this app could help me a whole lot and improve my, my Spanish from Tex-Mex up to legit. So <laughs> I, I definitely could use this and i I see a lot of really great reviews on this application so um yeah. i i'm excited to hear how teachers are using it to support their classroom instruction as well and you know casey real quick on duolingo i just noticed this as i pulled up
0: the site one of the languages you can learn is high valerian does that mean something
1: <laughs> to you uh yes i don't speak that language <laughs> I but i so. really you can learn it
0: not even kidding it is offered as one of the oh. options so you may have to go see i'm totally lost on the snake and the carmen san diego you may be lost on learning high oh, valerian and
1: we're about to we're we're really close to the the next season starting so yeah folks if you don't know what we're talking about um it's game of thrones and yeah i don't know if i'm geeky enough to learn a language i mean that's almost like trying to learn um what Klingon or something so um
0: that's one of the options on Duolingo, oh. also, believe it or not. Oh,
1: yes. Okay. You can link, so on we've too, excited so. some people, I'm sure, about both of those options.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, I think <laughs> All so. All right,
1: I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to talk about Edpuzzle. So when I ask teachers, hey, what are your favorite applications that integrate with Google Classroom? This one is always at the top of the list. And so what Edpuzzle allows you to do is to add videos into your your lessons but to make them more interactive so you pick a video and magically you add your own questions and so students can can pause and have to reflect on things this really helps break up the videos you know especially some of the longer videos so it is really designed to be kind of self-paced learning with these interactive video lessons and you can also add your own so you can add your own videos you can even add your own voice narration and questions and you can pull these videos from several different sources including YouTube Khan Academy Crash Course and more so you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel because there are videos out there about almost anything you can think of but of course if you're industrious you want to create your own go for it it's free for teachers and students. So, um, in fact, on their website, they have the statistic that over 50% of U.S. schools are using EdPuzzle. So, it is also compliant with FERPA, COPA, and the new GDPR laws. So, really awesome tool that I know a lot of teachers love to use. You know, video is a great way to engage students, but, you know, sometimes kids tune out or, I mean, maybe the video is just a little bit long, so this is a great way to break it up, use those checks for understanding, and make it more meaningful. Yep,
0: yeah, absolutely. And when you say there's a lot of teachers using EdPuzzle, there are a lot of teachers. I mean, I hear about this one all the time, and yeah, this is this is definitely a good one. The next one I want to move on to is one that's been around for a while, but that doesn't mean that it's irrelevant, and that is Quizlet. Quizlet has been providing uh, digital flashcards for a long time. Um, ever, I mean, I, my, my first year in the classroom was probably a good 15 years ago at this point, and Quizlet was a thing back then, at least I think that it was. Um, and the, the nice thing about it is it has continued to grow, continue to add new features, eliminate bugs, become more and more, um, you know, provide a better and better user experience. And obviously using Quizlet flashcards gives you all of those great repetitions and, you know, um, spaced repetition and retrieval where you try to pull things directly out of your brain um, instead of reading them to cram them back into your brain. Those are both, you know, great strategies that are backed up by cognitive science research. And those are the kinds of things that you can do with Quizlet and being able to assign Quizlet flashcards into your Uh, Google classroom makes it a quick and easy way for students to be able to access them and of course they can play games to practice with them too so if you haven't checked out Quizlet um, it is a really great resource of course Quizlet live is a really really fun review game type of activity and the other great thing about Quizlet is that because it's been around so long there are so many I mean I would venture to say there are millions of publicly available flashcard sets and if you just do a, a basic Google search for Quizlet state capitals, or Quizlet periodic table of elements, or whatever it is that you want students to practice, I'll bet there's a good chance someone has already created a Quizlet flashcard set. So that is definitely one that plays very nicely with Google Classroom.
1: I love it. And teachers are oftentimes trying to find other formative assessment tools for students besides just using Google Forms and you know Kahoot is great, but it also kind of gets overused sometimes. So um, we have a lot of alternatives out there and I think Quizlet is one of the best ones that the teachers can turn to. I want to share with you one of my favorite tools in general, whether it connects to Google Classroom or not, and it's actually owned by Microsoft, if you can believe that I love a tool that's owned by Microsoft. (laughs) It is Flipgrid, of course. So Flipgrid is a website that allows you to create grids of these discussion-style questions, and students respond through recorded video. So you would have a collection of all of your videos in one place. So if you haven't caught the Flipgrid fever yet, you need to. So I just used this in a workshop earlier this week. Um, I was in San Antonio working with Northside IS ISD and most of the teachers were already using it but they hadn't been forced to use it themselves so if you haven't put yourself as a teacher on camera also encourage you to model that for your students but I've seen some really interesting ways to use Flipgrid and sometimes you know I'm hearing more this year than last year that teachers are hitting some spots where kids don't want to be on camera so not every kid is you know all about being on camera so that is is definitely something to make sure that we're balancing the different types of of tools that we're using. But also there are ways to use it where their face maybe isn't on the camera. So, you know, I've seen some examples in math classes where the kids may be working out their problem on, you know, pencil and paper, maybe even drawing something to illustrate how they solve the problem. And then they just hold the paper up in front of the camera and explain it. So they don't necessarily have to put their face on it to make a really good use of the tool.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots of options for demonstrating there. And then the, the other thing that's cool about Flipgrid is that it, it can reach beyond the four walls of your classroom. You can have just about anybody record one of those videos. And using the Grid Pals option, you can pair up with another class from just about anywhere around the world, um, You know, find them, and make that connection. So, yeah, lots and lots of possibility there. The next one I wanted to share is Quizzes. Now that's uh, spelled quiz, Q-U-I-Z, and then I-Z-Z. And I always kind of like to think that quizzes is kind of like Kahoot's cousin. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, Cahoot, if you, you, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like oh, we cousin. got cousins on the and, playground um, now. <laughs> because, uh, yes. See, a good analogy never dies. I think. So, um, so yeah. What What's a little different about quizzes? is that instead of with Kahoot where you put the question and the possible answers up on a screen and then students ring in on their device, everything happens on the student screen with quizzes. Uh, The question is there, the possible answers are there, you ring in on the possible answers. It does make it a little more of a student-paced game. And what's nice about the integration with quizzes is that Uh, Students can join a quizzes game with just a single click and then all of their performance data is sent right back into Google Classroom. So that's one of those more robust connections between the the two tools. And what's neat about quizzes also is that you can have the live game where everybody's playing at the same time. Or you can have what's called homework mode where you set a deadline for students to complete a game and then they just have to finish it up. So if you say this needs to be done in the next 24 hours," then they can do it during class, then they can do it, you know, if they have a study hall or between classes or whenever. So um, lots and lots of possibility there, and it does make it very easy to make those good connections with Google Classroom, where it's not just sharing a link, but it's also pulling some data back too.
1: Okay, I'm going to squeeze one more into this episode and I'm going to go with a lesser known tool that I think is really awesome. And I've shared this tool before. It's called Insert Learning, and it's actually a Chrome extension that lets you turn any website into an interactive lesson. And you can add sticky notes, you can add additional links, you can insert videos, discussion questions, multiple choice questions, and then easily just click that share to classroom and assign it to your students. And you really have to see this to believe it because it seems like how in the world can you take just a website? Say you found a great article on Time for Kids that you wanted to use with your students. So they're going to read it, but you want to break up the reading and give them some additional resources. And you really can like, add a sticky note and students can respond to a question right there inside of the the website. You can even embed um, you know certain videos and bring in those resources into one page so it's a really neat tool I also have a blog post uh, about this called four ways to blend learning with insert learning that we'll have linked in the show notes and a lot of these tools and more come from a massive blog post that I update every year called um, apps that integrate with google classroom and it's up to 60 something apps now so if you want to dig in and get some more we have tons of resources and additional things that both Matt and I have blogged about that have to do with these tools so if you really want to make the most of Google Classroom we think these tools are going to help you do that And of course, you can find links to all
0: of these resources, including the massive blog post, including all of the ones we just mentioned earlier at googleteachertribe.com slash 82. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail.
1: Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime.
0: You've got mail.
1: Okay, Matt. So apparently the postman delivers to the playground today. (laughs) We have... Huh? <laughs> ah, I got you. Nicely
0: played. Nicely we have played. a
1: mailbag. Yay. I feel like it's on Pee Wee's Playhouse and that's like our, our word of the day and everybody's supposed to get really excited. So mailbag, mailbag. And we love hearing yeah. from you. We love getting your questions and your ideas. And even when we can't answer them, we love the fact that the whole tribe is willing to jump in and help answer these questions too. So we actually had a question back on episode eight. 80 from Mark, who is from Wisconsin, and he was asking the question about how to turn off spell check in Docs. So when you're wanting students to, you know, use those skills to check spelling on their own and do some different things and make corrections, it was it was a problem that he was facing uh, using Google Classroom, Chromebooks, and I think Google Docs as well. So we had a response that came in from Jennifer from New York. And here is her suggestion. She says, perhaps he could take a screenshot of the letter and insert it as a background in Google Drawings or Slides ooh, I'm already on this. This sounds great. The students can insert mm-hmm. shapes, arrows, et cetera, to point out arrows and text boxes to number and type the correction. And I'm going to add something else to that. So in drawings and slides, you can also use the line tool if you hit that little drop down and go down to scribble. And so they could actually just use the mouse to circle words um, and do some different things with annotations. So I think that's a fabulous workaround. And, you know, it's not, it's not always about locking down the tech because the real world does tend to give a spell check. Thank goodness. But um, I totally understand as a former language arts teacher, you know, the importance of also making sure that they're prepared in in other ways. So um, thank you, Jennifer, for sharing that idea. I think that's a great I- idea to to pass along to to Mark and everyone else who's facing this issue. Our next one comes from
0: Blake from Texas, and he says, hey, y'all, Woohoo. Did you hear that? I got to do a y'all today. He says, hey, y'all, I'm a first grade teacher in Texas, and I listen listen to Google Teacher Tribe on my way to work all the time. Then I run in my classroom and write down the ideas you have sparked so I can try them. One of the ideas is to use Google Slides as a kind of autopilot for the day when I may need a sub. I have two large screens in my room, and the idea was to make a slide deck that would walk them through the day. I've even considered uploading videos of myself teaching the lesson and explaining. Phonics, for example, is a difficult lesson to teach as a sub, I can imagine. So the sub walks in and opens up the slide deck at 8 a.m. And the slides have instructions, videos, examples. The students do the work. And then the slide changes to a yellow background where there are five minutes left. And then to the next thing on the agenda. This is a pretty I'm this map, by the way, throwing this in. This is a pretty cool idea for pacing your day when you can't be there never thought about this. Okay, back to Blake. Yeah, sounds like a neat thing to try to me too, but I can't use a slide deck because I can't set different times for the auto advance. Now, here's what Blake's talking about. Whenever you create a Google slide presentation and you want to auto advance the slides, what you want to do is you want to publish the slide presentation, and then it gives you the option to do the auto advance. And so the way to do that is in your um, Google Slides presentation, you go to file, publish to the web, and you hit that publish button. And once you have, then you can grab a link to the slide presentation and you can turn on the auto advance and make it every second, every three seconds, every five seconds, all the way down to every minute. And so, what What? Glu- what Um? What Blake says is, that was a long way to ask if you know a way to set different times for each slide. I know I could use another slide presentation app or another presentation app, but we live on the G Suite at my school. So, sharing would be easier if I could find a workaround on the slides. And then he says, thanks, guys. Y'all are awesome. I'm off to drink my sweet tea before the fun times get back from PE. Don't you love it? So he's got this question. And at first I thought you could create a video um, with a screencast tool like Screencastify where you take a video of your slides and you could just advance them whenever you want to. But then I started to realize you would have to sit by that video and advance the slides and create the slide presentation and kind of like babysit it the whole time. There's got to be a better way. So, Blake, consider this. What if you create your slides... And then you make a duplicate of each slide for the number of minutes you want it to be on the screen. Here's what I mean by that. So what you do is you go to file Publish to the web and you want to make it so that the the slides auto advance every minute. If there's one slide that you want to keep up there for three minutes, make three duplicate copies of it. So then that means it's going to stay up there for three minutes. The next one, if you want it to be up there for five minutes, make five duplicate copies of it. And then it's up there for five minutes. And then, thankfully, all the sub has to do is just hit play and they'll stay up there for as many minutes as you want. I think that
1: hack will Jimmy work. Jimmy Matt, you are a genius. I love this idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I can't wait to share this one because I've had that question. I think I had it last week and I'm like, yeah, no, you can't do it. I'm like, wow. mm, no, no jimmy matt to the rescue that's brilliant 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 i love it and i will probably be using it and sharing it tomorrow so that wraps up our mailbag on the playground for today playground. <laughs> and we would love to hear from you so be sure that you go to google and click on feedback and leave us a message we'd love to hear from you and hear about the amazing things that you're doing in your classroom and help answer your questions
0: Right, right. We're going to share a couple of quick blog posts and then this episode is going to be finished. So on the ditch that textbook blog, just recently I published an article called 10 ideas for digital end of semester, final projects, because the end is getting to be in sight for so many of us, at least in the Northern hemisphere where this is spring and we're getting close to summer vacation. And usually at this time of year, some of us start thinking about how can we wrap up the semester or wrap up the year in a good way. And I've got some ideas for you on how to do some end of semester final projects And many of them, of course, do involve using Google tools. And so I've got some suggestions for making end-of-semester projects as effective as possible, including providing some thinking time and giving some choice and some personalization options. Um, There's some some tips there. And then we jump right into the 10 final project ideas. And Google does pop up here on a number of occasions. So if you're interested in doing some end-of-semester final projects, there are some ideas that you can go check out.
1: These look awesome, Matt. I can't wait to see what wraps up the school year with the tribe. And so y'all be sure and come back and share with us those projects that you're doing, especially if they're extra googly. So we can share those on the the podcast as well. So I am, you know, true geek here, was inspired by this week's big update this week as we're recording when we found out we're going to get audio in Google Slides. So I'm like, oh, what does this mean we can do now? And so my brain just started taking off and I'm actually still finishing this blog post. But by the time this podcast is published, it will be available and legit. So right now, I'll tell you, it's titled 25 Ways to Use Audio in Google Slides Projects. So I'm at 25, but there's a chance there might be more. So I just thought I would throw that in. So I can't wait to share this with you. There's so many things that we can do with audio to enhance and, and of course, you know, we're using that Swiss army knife. So we've now got another little tool in our Swiss army knife of G Suite. So um, be sure that you check out the show notes to get access to both of our blog posts at googleteachertribe.com slash 82. We hope that you have enjoyed all of these amazing ideas and using Google Classroom that plays well with some of these other apps. And the list just goes on and on and on. So we hope that you're walking away with some new tips and ideas that you're going to use in class tomorrow. We will we will be looking out on the Twitters to
0: see if you've got anything to share with us. Of course, do use the GT Tribe hashtag. We're always looking at that to see the cool things that you're doing. So. Have a wonderful week. Stick with it. If we're right here at the end of the school year, you can do it. And we will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Bye, y'all.